Welcome to the Everyday Ironman podcast, where we talk to real athletes just like you and me that are working to complete an incredible goal. My name is Mike Bosch, and I'm excited to have with me today two-time Ironman finisher, John Welty. John, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me talk today. I really appreciate it. Now, I, as always, am excited to have you on because I'm I'm just excited that I get to meet some new people and um, I get to hear uh, the stories. And I, and I got to be honest, John, what I'm finding out is I'm not alone. I am not alone. I have gotten so much positive feedback lately about how uh, everybody's stories are encouraging. So no pressure, no pressure, John, but I'm hope, hopefully... And I feel that you do. You got an encouraging story for us tonight, right? Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I hope I can share, you know, uh, yeah. my trials and tribulations with everybody and we can all Absolutely. talk about and share a common bond of why we do this crazy sport. Yeah. If I could figure out why we do this crazy sport, um, I might be able to write a book, make a lot of money and then we'd be onto something, but I haven't quite figured that part out yet. <laughs> there but, you go. Um, so you have, uh, like I said in the opening, you finished uh, two full distance races, right? And you are currently training for Ironman Florida, right? That is correct. Yeah, I started uh, first full iron distance I did was back in 2019, uh, Ironman Boulder. And then uh, the second was uh, last summer, uh, getting close to a year out from it. I uh, did Ironman Coeur d'Alene and then, uh, yeah, getting ready for Ironman Florida coming up in November. So nice, nice. Well, I definitely, I, I've looked at Coeur d'Alene as an iconic race, uh, Boulder to me, there's just too many Hills and maybe and probably Coeur d'Alene is too, but Coeur d'Alene sounds like a, uh, just a, just an iconic race. And I, and I definitely want to talk about your training and Florida and all that stuff. But we, before we get too far down the road, I always like for my guests to provide just a little bit of a level set of where they are in life, really so that we can understand two things. What your time commitments are, right? Because we know that's a big thing of balancing life and work and school and family and blah, 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 blah right? And then athletic, like what was your, you know, what was your athletic background or Maybe even, do you just consider yourself a uh, an athletic person in general, right? So that kind of thing. Can you uh, can you help us with that, there, John? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to share that. So currently living in the St. Louis area uh, with my wife, married. Uh, our anniversary is actually coming up here in three days. Uh, it'll be two what? years for us, so we're really oh, excited about that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So yeah, living in the St. Louis area, uh, working you know, working that a corporate job right now as okay. a uh, recruiter. Uh, so it's been a shift. I actually come from um, prior to moving here, we just moved to St. Louis in January. Uh, prior to moving here, I was a collegiate cross country and track and field coach at my alma mater, uh, Monmouth College mm-hmm. in Illinois. So just a small uh, little school, a uh, little oasis mm-hmm. in kind of Western Illinois. Um, so I was coaching cross country and track and my background in triathlon really came from me as a coach where I, I understood training progression and it was something that I liked as a coach. That was one of the parts I enjoyed of setting a progression and watching people progress and develop yeah. and get better throughout the course of a season. So it was nice for me to be able to take that and put it into something that I was doing. So really that's how I got started in triathlon. 
And then it's wow. just kind of progressed. So I think I got the first part there, but I think I maybe missed the second part of the question. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. So I think I see you're, you're married, you're newly married, right? You, you, you were a collegiate coach. So you have to have some level of athleticism <laughs> there. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to dive into a couple of things. So, and I know that you, you said you had done, uh, was it Boulder then quarter lane or quarter lane then Boulder? Boulder was my first and then uh quarter lane in 21. Yeah. Okay. So you've been married for two years. Okay. So did your wife know what she was getting herself into, uh, when she, uh, entered into this deal as well? Like, were you already, were you already into your triathlon journey? Because my wife did not know, <laughs> right? I'm, so I'm just trying to get an understanding of, did your wife, did, did your wife knew what she was getting herself into or not? Yeah, I think she knew. So actually a fun story. When I went out to Boulder, we, we were dating at the time we weren't engaged or anything. And I was talking about, I was like, Hey, I think I want to do, you know, an Ironman. It's kind of on the bucket list. I want to, want to see if I can do it. And since I was coaching at the time, I had kind of this narrow window to do it of basically June or July. Um, okay. so Boulder was an early June race that year. So she was like, yeah, you know, that sounds awesome. Do it. We can make a trip out of it. Let's, let's do this thing. So again, we were dating, not even engaged at that point, And she was really encouraging me. Um, and you know, uh, my parents make the joke now that we're married. They're like, yeah, you definitely had to marry this girl after making her <laughs> go, go through that trip and being there and watching you that day. So, um, but no, she definitely knew what was coming with all this stuff. So she had, she had been there from the start and has always supported me with it. So I always say Ironman, especially you, you gotta have, uh, that support. It's never a solo, even though it's a solo thing on the day, you're not truly alone. You always have a team uh, of some kind behind you. So she's been awesome. And she's been my huge support for that. Yeah, that, that is for sure. That is for sure. True. It, it definitely is an end, you know, kind of an individual competition, so to speak, but you, you, it takes a team, right? It takes a team to, to get you ready. It takes a team to, um, help you get through the day. T it takes a team to get you all packed up and ready to go home, uh, to some degree. So that's definitely true. Uh, so that's, that's cool. So, and, and so when was Boulder? So you've been married for two years. How long was it from the time that you, that you, you, you told your then girlfriend, you're like, Hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do Ironman Boulder. And she's like, that sounds like a great <laughs> idea. Right. So how long was it from that point to where you're like, Hey, I got to put a ring on this deal right here because I got to tighten this thing up right now. Yeah, no, um, the, the engagement actually happened pretty soon after that. We got engaged uh, no, I bet it did. Of, of September after that. So uh, even when we were out in Boulder, I, I was pretty much, you know, th this is this is happening. So I knew maybe she didn't know, but I, I knew at the time, even when we were out in Boulder. So that's funny. That's funny. OK, so you were coaching collegiate cross country. Mm hmm. At, at your alma mater. So did you run cross country? At, you said it was Mammoth. Was it Mammoth College? Uh, Monmouth College. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry, Monmouth yep. College. Okay. Did you run cross country there? I did. So it's weird backstory. I have a very strange athletic background. So I went to a uh, smaller high school in Illinois. And um, with that being the case, I, I know I played football and football was a big deal. Uh, loved playing. I, I had the pleasure of starting when I was there. Uh, was a cornerback. Had that football kind of more thick type of an athlete type of a build. Played basketball in the winter and then ran track in the spring in high school. And then uh, oddly enough, 
the best sport for me was track. I definitely progressed probably the most over my high school career in that. And then, um, you know, that kind of led to, all right, what do you want to do in college? And I looked at some places and uh, ended up going to Monmouth. Monmouth had a big history with our family. My dad went there. Both my older brothers went there. And, and it has a very rich history in track and field and cross country. And I got to work with some amazing people while I was there, uh, both as an athlete and as a coach. So, uh, yeah, ran there for all four years and then transpired and progressed as a coach there, started as an assistant and became the head there in my time. Wow. So, so let me ask you this, John, for my benefit, and I'm sure all the listeners are going to be like, Mike, everybody knows that, but what is the difference between cross country and track? When somebody says I ran cross country or somebody says I ran track, what is like, I understand like, uh, hurdles are different and shot put or pole vaulting or whatever like that. But when somebody says I had a running background cause I ran track or because I ran cross country, what can you break that down for me? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, cross country, uh, is going to happen in the fall and, uh, and collegiately on the men's side, uh, they run 8,000 meters. Um, and then division one, they get up to 10,000 meters for championship races. And then on the women's side, they run a, a 6k or 6,000 meter race. Um, then when you transpire over to track, you know, the big difference is obviously going to be there's more than one event to the day. There's multiple options for distance runners specifically, but also for other event groups. So you have hurdlers, you have jumpers, you have sprinters, you have throwers. And then in the distance category alone, you have the 800, the 1500 steeplechase, 10K, 5K. So there's a wide variety of races there. Okay. So the cross country is more just the long distance. Is it on an actual traditional track uh, normally, or is it more of a kind of a uneven area where you may see a little bit of elevation, you're running in a field type of thing, not necessarily a trail, but. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be uh, cross country is going to definitely be more of that terrain variation. Um, so, you know, uh, golf courses, city parks, uh, lots of different places. So you might be on some grass, you might be on some gravel, you might be on some dirt. Um, but you're going to get okay. some variation that way for sure. And then track. Yeah. You're on that 400 meter oval. Okay. Okay. So how did you go from cross country track to triathlon, right? Did you have a swimming background at all? Did you ride a bike? Like how, how did you go from, from a to C? Yeah. You know, so I really didn't have a background in swimming or biking, but as when you graduate from college as an athlete for four years and you have this regimen and practice that you always go to, it's, it's kind of hard to give that up. So when I got out of college, I kind of knew, okay, this triathlon thing is going to be something I want to give a try. I, I want to, you know, start with a sprint or an Olympic and see how it goes. So I, I knew I wanted to do it. And really the idea for me stems from, uh, I don't know if he actually knows this or not, is my dad. Because really? I remember, yeah, and I, because I remember growing up, my dad has always been a runner. He's been active as long as I can absolutely remember. But I just remember being a kid playing in the basement while he was on the treadmill or on the Nordic track working out. He'd be watching, you know, taped over broadcasts of the Ironman World Championships. Wow. And I always, I, I just remember being a kid watching that and thinking, wow, that's so cool. That's so inspiring and thinking, I want to do that someday. You know, I want to do that thing. So yeah. when I got out of college, I was like, yeah, I want to do triathlon. Um, and then 
like I said, Boulder, when I did it, I was like, yeah, this is going to be that, that bucket list thing to check off the list. So that's how it all started. Wow. Yeah. I, I, uh, that's, that's a cool story by the, before I move past it, having that memory with your dad, that's, that's super cool. Uh, I, I don't remember when I became aware of the Iron Man. I don't know. I, I'm sure I saw it on, you know, wild world of sports or something along those lines. I don't have that memory. Uh, I wish I did. So that's super cool. That, especially that you share that with your, um, with your dad. That's That is awesome. Yeah. So did you start out, um, did you go through the, what I, what I've been referring to as the traditional route where you, um, you go sprint, maybe Olympic half distance, full distance, or how did, how did you progress from the time that you're like, Hey, uh, I want to, I want to pursue my Ironman dream, but I'm a runner and I need to do all these other things to get there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I definitely went through that, that quote unquote natural progression that you're talking about. Um, so first event just had a road bike, you know, didn't have any fancy equipment or anything like that. And it was a sprint. Uh, my brother who had done a sprint at, at a similar, at, at the same site before he went with me, um, you know, to help me set up my stuff, get me started. And it was success, successful. I, I felt good. I placed in my age group and I was like, yeah, this is, oh, wow. this is, this is fun. And then it quickly progressed later that summer. I signed up for an Olympic and then, mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of took off from there. Then two summers later, I signed up and did my first half uh, up in Racine. And then a summer or two later, I went out to Muncie and did the half there. Uh, and then I had a little bit of a hiatus and then I got back into it and Boulder was kind of the kickoff. So, <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So, since you've done Boulder, have you done exclusively uh, full distance races or have you gone back and done a couple of local sprints or Olympics or anything like that? Oh, yeah. I've definitely kept up with the Olympics and sprints. Um, you know, before Boulder, uh, I wanted to get something in. So, I did an, an Olympic as kind of that shakeout or rust buster last fall or late, late summer, early fall last year, I did an Olympic or a sprint, uh, kind of locally. So definitely staying with that stuff too. I I always love supporting local events that I think that there's always something to that hometown type crowd or hometown course that you can compete on. So it's always enjoyable. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know why I didn't do that probably because I thought I'm an Ironman. Why am I going to go do a sprint triathlon, which is stupid to think I skipped the Olympic distance entirely. Uh, and now I've realized that that's such a, an opportunity for me. So I actually have two Olympic distance races here in North Texas. I live in North Texas, um, that I'm going to do because I haven't quite cracked the code on the half iron distance just yet. I thought I had cracked it. I think I outsmarted myself in Chattanooga. And so rather than flying across the country and paying the half Ironman price, I'm going to learn some things at a, at a Olympic distance here locally and do what you said, John, I'll support the hometown people <laughs> at the same time. So that, that'll be, that'll be a motivator as well. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, right. absolutely. So, uh, we talked about the fact that you did uh, Boulder and you did quarter lane and we don't have to necessarily go into, you know, how you place in your age group or anything like that. But were your finish times close to what you thought they would be? Were they close to each other? Like what were the differences in those two venues? Were they both 
uh, had I'm, I'm, like every Iron Man has its own unique challenges and and scenic things. But can you compare and contrast the Boulder and Quarter Lane for me? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, both of them absolutely amazing experiences and loved both of them. Uh, what I can say about Boulder, with it being my first, did I have a goal in mind? Yes, but. I had no misconception about what an Ironman was. And and I fully understood going into it. I was like, I feel trained. I feel ready. However, I've never done this before. I've never yeah. gone this far before. I've never pushed my body this way before. I said, there is a chance that this may not be a, a completed race. So, you know, for me, the yeah. main goal was always make it across the finish line. And then yeah. whatever times transpire after that, I was going to chalk it up as a win. And what I can say about Boulder, uh, I learned a lot of things about uh, myself and I learned a lot of things about how the race works. Uh, had a great swim, had a great bike, uh, even despite the hills that are out there, like you mentioned. And then the run, I, I learned how different types of nutrition affected me. The run was uh, mm. a, a D plus for me at best. Uh, it was more of a survival than a run, I would say. And yeah, I learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about the race. Uh, so when that next time came for Coeur d'Alene, I was training a little bit differently, preparing myself a little bit differently, switched up how I did nutrition. I went from using solids and gels to using a liquid-based nutrition, which my body handled a lot better. Coeur d'Alene in terms of times to Boulder was slower, but... The people that did did Coeur d'Alene, remember, it was uh, it was very hot. It was 105 on race day, and uh, by the time I got to the marathon, you know, it was it was pretty scorching out there. So when I I crossed the bike into T2, I just kind of took a deep breath, and you know, I started running. I was doing the I was doing solid. I was doing the run walk where you run between run between aid stations, walk the aid station, and then you know I saw my wife, and I just looked at her. I said, hey. I'm just going to let you know we're going to go for the finish today. I want to I want to end up across the finish line not in the med tent today. So mm. the ra the race goal changed a little bit. But yeah, I mean, the goal for me again with Ironman Mike is as you know, there's so many things that can go on in the course of the day. So it's it's always just an honor and a privilege to be able to say you completed it. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you could have a you could have a mechanical uh issue with the bike. Um, you know, you could have, uh, something go wrong in the swim. Um, and then like you said, if, uh, you know, the, the difference obviously between the, you know, the 140.6 and the 70.3 is, and the 70.3, as hard as it is, you know, it's a little bit more forgiving in the nutritional area. If you, if you don't plan your nutrition ride and all that stuff, you get to the 140.6, it Gotta can really it. wipe you out. Yeah. Yep. It can wipe you out, right. It can yep. end your day, uh, super, super early. So you switched to a, a of a more of a liquid based uh, nutrition plan. Are you are you using a particular product, or what was your what was the nutrition plan that you switched to? Yeah, so I switched to a, a product called Infinite, um, and they can cater. Uh, the thing I like about it is they can cater kind of to what your needs are. So how your body will handle protein or carbohydrates or um, you know sodium and different things like that. Um, so it's been really good because based on how your workouts are, or what the temperature is, you can really change that up and dial it into what you need. And my stomach 
more than anything has reacted very positively to that. So it's, it's been, it's been nice. Awesome. Yeah. I recently changed my nutrition plan, uh, before Chattanooga and on, honestly, John, I was, I was very, very lucky. I never had knock on wood, any GI distress, or I never had that, that feeling of, of bonking or anything like that with my old nutrition plan. It was just kind of a hodgepodge of, of mixtures of stuff, right? I didn't have like a necessarily a one product that supported me. And it was, it was Scott, uh, Sugimoto came on and he, he had shared with me that he had was using, you can. And so I switched over to, I switched over to that about, I don't know, maybe four or five weeks in advance. So it gave me enough time to test it out on some training rides, but it's, it's all liquid. It's an all liquid kind of plan. And I was very, very happy with it. Um, I think there's a few things I, I still need to tweak a little bit, but, uh, it is funny how, everybody's body handles things differently and you have to figure out what works for you and what works for you isn't going to work for the next person necessarily. Right. So you just got to figure that out. So that's awesome. So you're following that still the infinite. Yep. Still following that. And, uh, you know, as I've talked about always as from, from races, you learn things. So learning what I can handle. Um, one thing I learned actually out in, um, Coeur d'Alene was, uh, carrying infinite on the marathon was kind of a hassle. Um, I'm one of the persons okay. I, I don't, I don't love fuel belts. I don't like how they bounce up and down on your waist and stuff. So, uh, I learned that I didn't want to carry something like that for a marathon. And so now for this next round, I'm starting to think about, okay, well I can do, um, I can do the infinite on the bike and that can fuel me there and, you know, help me prep for the marathon. And then when I get to the marathon, switch to something else. So I'm starting to think about and plan for that change of nutrition plan to get myself ready. Yeah. The fuel belt is definitely one of those things that, um, I'm using one now. I'm thinking about abandoning it. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I actually heard somebody today say, why would you want to carry five more pounds with you? And, and I don't think it weighs five pounds, but it is an interesting uh, thought, right. I, I worked hard to lose weight to get myself kind of streamlined and, you know, less on my legs or whatever. And then I'm just going to add more weight back in. But, but at the same time, I feel like I used it through training. Cause you know how it is when you go out for your long run, you got to take it. stuff with you, right? There's no aid stations between yep. here and the next uh, hour or, you know, ex uh, town over or whatever. So yeah, it's just a, man, that's just, that's tough. That's a tough one. Anyway, I, I got time. I don't have anything on the schedule. Now you, you, on the other hand, you got Florida. Now, how many weeks are we to Florida? We're, that's a good while, right? Yeah, we still got a good while. Um, we're just a little bit past the six months out mark. So we're just inside six months. Okay. And so are you, I guess I'll start with this. Are you, how are you getting yourself ready? Are you following a, a training plan? Do you have a coach? Are you winging it? Are you going with um, just what you know works for you? Like, how are you getting yourself ready? And have you already started that? Yeah, definitely. That's a great question, Mike. So, you know, full disclosure, one of the things that I have changed big time going into Ironman Florida is I, I've uh, enlisted a coach for help. I planned myself for Boulder and for Coeur d'Alene and there were some areas I saw success and there were areas I didn't see success. And, um, you know, the definition of insanity is trying the same thing and expecting a different result. So 
I found a colleague of mine, former colleague. Um, she uh, was coaching at a, ri- a rival school, uh, and I got to know her through coaching collegiately. And she is now a pro triathlete. And she, you know, Get she, here. yeah, yeah. And she let me know she was looking to start her triathlon coaching career. And I was like, hmm, this might line up perfectly. So uh, her and yeah. I have been working together since the start of April. And uh, so, yeah, we're right around two months now. And it's, it's been going really well, um, just kind of in a base building phase, but it's, it's been going well. I, it's been different, but uh, like I said, uh, different is probably good because if I was doing the same thing, I'd probably get the same results as I've gotten the past two times. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, so you're one of the first people that I, that I've had the opportunity to talk to that actually has a coach. Right. But I probably had a few athletes on that had a coach, but I didn't really maybe think about it to talk about. It. So are you guys in the same city? Uh, we are currently? not. So she is, okay. uh, you know, as, as a pro, she's based out in uh, Colorado, getting that elevation, but okay. uh, obviously traveling and doing different things for her job and for racing and things yeah. like that too. Uh, and then I'm based out of St. Louis. So yeah, different areas. Okay. So how does, and then, and, which makes sense, right? Because that's the world that we live in, right? One of the, one of the great things about the internet is, right? It expanded our world, uh, considerably. So, how does your coaching relationship work? Is it a um? Does do you guys have regular video calls? Do you have somebody record things and send it to her, and then she provides feedback back? Like, can you talk me through that? Definitely. So, I mean, Training Peaks is a great platform. So that's, you know, a big form of our communication. So she'll post my workouts uh, a week, two weeks in advance so I can review them, ask any questions that I need to about them or things that are coming up. Um, and then with technology, it's super easy uh, with using a Garmin. It just syncs to the Training Peaks app. And so my data all will load up for her to see. And then I can write comments and I can, you know, how I felt, how the weather was, um, you know, where I fell off, where I was strong, all those sort of things. Um, and then mm-hmm. definitely she's, she's awesome because she's super accessible to me. Um, you know, I, there are sometimes I probably text her too much and ask too many questions, but she always answers. Um, but yes, no, it's definitely send her video, um, had a bike fit a couple of weeks ago, sent her video for her feedback and input. Um, you know, haven't had it happen yet, uh, just cause the lifeguards on duty, uh, but going to get some swim video and send it to her and get some analysis that way as well. And then we have about every two weeks or so we have a video call where we kind of do a recap. Um, and then we ask, like, see if there's any overbearing questions about what's coming up, what's happened, mm-hmm. uh, how things are feeling generally. So no, it's, it's, she's, she's amazing, very accessible, um, yeah, don't don't know what I'd be doing without her. So awesome. I think the um the swim analysis is probably the one thing that I've been given a lot of thought, given the most thought to lately, right? I mean, you know, obviously uh the the like you said on the bike, you can you can get a bike fit and you know, so you have somebody professional uh, adjust the bike to make sure that it fits your body the best and all that, right? And you can look at your your K, you know, somebody can look at your your data and talk about your cadence and your heart rate and your your watts and all that stuff and coach you through that. Your run, I mean, your cross country, you know, experience, right? But so maybe maybe 
someone could look at your video and say, well, your gait is off or your stride is too long or whatever, blah, 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 right? But the swim, in my mind, there's just so many things that uh, can be going wrong that are not necessarily going to show up in your Garmin metrics. Correct. Right? Yeah. And so that's where I think I'm at personally too, is I need to get, cause I don't even know what I'm doing. Like I, <laughs> I was thinking about it today. I was thinking about it today and I'm swimming along and I'm thinking to myself, I've got perfect form. I've convinced myself. I'm like, I've got perfect form right now. But then I'm like, there's no way I've got perfect form. <laughs> like I'm probably, I probably look like that fish, uh, that some fifth, you know, five-year-old kid caught, right? And it ends up on the ground and it's just kind of like flopping around. It doesn't know what to do. That's probably what my form actually looks like uh, to some degree. Uh, so I'm thinking about that swim analysis and getting someone to give me some pointers on my swim uh, is where I'm where I'm headed next. But that's that's cool that you have that uh, available to you. Yeah, no, like, like I said, it's been great. And, you know, it, it's like you said, Mike, where, Sometimes you don't know until someone points it out. It's like, like you're saying, you feel like you have that perfect form, but you know, one of my analogies has always been, uh, it's like my golf swing, right? I thought I was doing it right until some, until somebody fixed it. And then when it fixed it, it felt completely different, but it went straight. So I knew that was the right way. So just cause it, you know, it's what you're used to doesn't necessarily mean it's right. So <laughs> yeah, that golf, that golf swing analogy is probably the, one of the closest things because that's something that most everybody that I know that plays golf, that's, you know, they have, they go through that same thing, right? Cause you, you don't necessarily know what you're doing wrong. Like you, you know, the ball doesn't go where you want it to go. Like, so I know, I know my swim times aren't what I want them to be, but I can't put my finger on what I'm doing wrong. Exactly. Right. And it's probably the same thing. Or, you know, am I, do I, am I gripping the club too hard? Am I, am I not bending my elbow right? Is my club face open or closed? Like all of those things, all those little tiny things that could make a big difference in where the ball ends up. Right. Absolutely. That's a good, that's a very good analogy. Yeah. Okay. So you've done, you did Boulder because of the time of year, right? Yep. You had, you had that window of time. What was the decision behind quarter lane? Yeah, so Coeur d'Alene, uh, I think in all honesty, was a COVID depths decision of I'm cooped up and I feel like I need to do something. And for me, doing something is training. Okay. And then I, at the time, I was still coaching. Um, so it was another kind of decision of, okay, I have to fit this into a kind of two-month window of June or July so at the okay. time I was looking at races and it was basically Coeur d'Alene or Lake Placid. Mm, and that'd be a tough choice right there. Those are both iconic races. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I talked to some, some friends of mine that have done different Ironman races and, uh, it was kind of hand, a lot of them, it was kind of consensus was Coeur d'Alene was where you want to go. Um, so I picked that one and yeah, yeah. It, I mean, like, like you said, iconic, it, it was, it was beautiful. The town was beautiful. The spectators and the volunteers were absolutely amazing. You know, it, it's, I can't say enough positive things about it. It was, it was truly a spectacular. I, I, despite the temperature and despite the, the hardships that day, it, uh-huh. it was something that I'll remember forever. And just, I, I got that, that's an Ironman race that I got to enjoy a hundred percent of the 140.6 miles that day. Awesome. Every single that's mile awesome. was enjoyed. So that's awesome. Cool. Okay. So 
I'm totally tracking. You had you had to get them done during the summer. Now you're in a situation where you're working not based on a calendar, right? My wife's a school teacher as well. And so I understand how, you know, they, she has these windows of time where she can take vacation or we can do these things. And you're not, you're not necessarily locked to that in your new job, I'm assuming. Correct. Right. Correct. Okay. So what, what, uh, what went into your decision to race Florida? Was it all of the, was it all of the buzz that was with last year's race of how peaceful the swim was and how <laughs> comfortable the temperature was in Florida uh, that time of year? Like, what what was the what was the most uh, appealing factor that led you to say Florida? Now there's where I want to be. So looking at it, one thing I'll talk to you about, Mike, and this is just full honesty and disclosure. Like you told me, you are as a person. Mm-hmm. When we moved here, you know, moving to a new area, moving to a new job, I think part of it for me signing up for a race was consistency, uh, finding that commonality, finding that thing that's the same for me. And that thing has always been training of some kind, right? You know, I, I was a college athlete and then jumped right into my triathlon journey right after that. So I have been training for something for a long time. So we got moved in and kind of got settled in. And I was like, you know, I need, I need to do something. Um, and then what kind of started it was my coach, Lisa, she, you know, her and I had a conversation she was like, well, what do you want to do? Like, do you just want coaching? Do you just want, you know, do you just want to train? Are you looking to do a race? And I was like, well, I really, really feel like I have something left in the tank to accomplish with Ironman. I was like, I don't know what that means. Uh, but I was like, I feel like I can do it better. I said, I, I really feel like I want to finish a race and feel like I hammered all three disciplines. And I said, I don't feel like I've quite done that yet. And she said, okay. Um, have you thought about when you want to do that? And I was like, well, I think I want to do it before the next calendar year starts. So we started looking, okay. we started talking in March about races and she said well have you considered a a late season race and i said no i hadn't thought about it and then she brought up that there's iron man florida and then there's iron man arizona yep so as always talked to the wife about it and we kind of talked about where we would like to go because when she comes and supports obviously i always want her to have a good time and enjoy the trip as well and we just kind of settled on Florida. It's drivable distance for us, a little bit easier travel that way. And yeah, just seemed like the right decision. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm always interested to what drew uh, athletes to the the race that they picked, right? So I've, I've been very transparent. I, the, the races that I had done prior to Chattanooga, they were all in Texas, right? And so I was in Texas. And just like you said, it was, it you know, the, 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 it was the travel, right? It was, I could drive. I didn't have to, there wasn't a long, um, you know, what it was kind of the cost was a little minimized, mm-hmm. but what I also don't want to do is I don't want to do the same race twice. And so now I had to look past Texas <laughs> and I chose, uh, I chose Chattanooga because of the river swim. Absolutely. Right? So I'm, I'm not a great swimmer, even though. Jim Risto, if you're listening, he, he, he keeps reminding me that I'm not that bad. Um, but, but it's not, it's not something that I'm, that I feel very, that I'm very strong with. And so I chose the, the Chattanooga uh, race because of the, of the down river swim, which, 
you know, they turns out they lengthen lengthen the race to compensate for it or something like that. I don't know, but it, it was a great swim. The town was beautiful. I have no regrets in in racing Chattanooga, but I'm not going to do it again. Right. And so, and so I'm on to the next, I'm looking at the next race and I think Oregon next oh, year beautiful. Yeah. is, is, is where I want to go. And so, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about that now. If I was to go back to 140.6, which I will someday, and I know I've brought it up on the on the podcast a time or two, Cozumel is my race, but Coeur d'Alene and Placid and and even Florida was kicked around for a while. So I was just curious as to why you why you had chosen Florida. So that's uh that's the, the, all those all those reasons make sense uh, to me. I thought maybe you were going to say because it's a flat course. And I can really, I can really <laughs> kick it on the run. It's really what I thought you were going to say, but these, these, these reasons make more sense. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you know, you are right. It is. Fl- I, I am excited for that because compared to both Coeur d'Alene and Boulder, that bike course right? is going to, that bike course is going to seem easy comparatively, I think. So knock on wood at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you had mentioned earlier that the run wasn't what you thought it was. Uh, in one of your races, I don't remember if it was bold, bold, I think it might've been Boulder. And, and it's something that I've been dealing with is over biking Mm -hmm. and setting myself up for failure on the run. You being a strong runner, did you experience that at all to where you put yourself in a situation where you, you didn't, you weren't able to maximize something that you're probably really pretty strong at? Yeah. You know, I think I was guilty of that myself, Mike you know, looking back at it, you know, there was something that I did on the bike that led to me not having a, what I felt to be a successful run. And, uh, you know, that's, again, that's kind of why I enlisted Lisa's help as my coach to figure those things out. And one of the biggest changes that we're making right now is getting me to not overdo things. You know, I think looking back on some of my previous training, I probably spent too much time and too high of uh, zones, both pace and power wise. And now we're, you know, early on, we're focusing on, Hey, chill out. Let's, uh, you know, let's get a little bit more time, but a little bit less power, a little bit more push on your run and let's do things easy and get in a rhythm. And, you know, that's one of the biggest changes we're making, but I can tell that I am feeling different and, Mm -hmm. It's it's exciting to see where it's going to go because I, right now I'm doing more volume early than I have previously, okay. but n- I'm at a point now in training where instead of feeling the effects of volume, I'm starting to feel the benefits of it where I'm starting to feel a little bit stronger as we build on this base that we're working on. Awesome. Awesome. Now, does she have, uh, does she have you doing anything besides swim, bike, run? Are you doing strength training? Are you doing yoga? Are you doing, you know, regular, you know, stretching? Like, I I mean, we all stretch, but well, I didn't do a good job of stretching (laughs) when I started, but you know what I'm saying? Like what, 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 what kind of things do you do or, or does Lisa have you do outside of swim, bike, run? Yeah. Right now, the big emphasis is obviously the three disciplines in this base building phase. And then she's been great. Uh, she understands, you know, my background in coaching as well, uh, letting me supplement in some things that quote unquote, bring me joy or, or, you know, make me happy. So bringing in some elements of training that I'm used to. So I'm a big advocate of 
active mobility is kind of what I call it or dynamic movements. So instead of just like sitting and doing static stretches, I'm definitely a big proponent of active ranges of motion and different things like that. So uh, definitely throw those in when I can. And then eventually here, going to start adding in some strength training yeah. uh, when I have time. But, you know, as as all of us do in this this sport, it's a matter of when we find that time for those extra things. Yeah. So right now, the big emphasis for me has been the main disciplines and then some mobility work and then eventually some strengthening will come into play, but just not yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think strength training is one of those things that I don't think I gave enough consideration to up until probably the last, probably eight weeks. And so it really wasn't uh, enough to help me on the, on the last race that I did. So now that I'm kind of in this area where I'm, you know, it may be, and maybe next year before I do another even half distance, you know, I'm going to do a couple of Olympics, but I'm going to really focus on one recovery because I'm dealing with a tendonitis in my ankle, but two, uh, I'm going to work on strength, strength training. So I've really, I'm really enjoying yoga right now, to be honest with you. Um, so it's kind of a yoga stretching session that I do, but I feel so good afterwards and what's, I was, I was actually showing my wife, uh, the other day I can, I can, I can, you know, straight legged bend over at the waist. So I'm not necessarily bending with my back, but I've got my hamstrings loose enough to where I can touch my knuckles on the ground. Wow. That's impressive. Which I was like, I know my goal is to get my palms on the ground. I could first touch it, touch the ground. Then I could get my finger five, all five fingertips on the ground. Now I can get my knuckles on the ground. And I can feel it. I can feel that my hamstrings are starting to get just, you know, they're a little bit looser, a little bit looser, a little bit looser. So I'm really enjoying the benefits of that um, because I'm not, I'm not training for Florida, uh, buddy. Uh, so I have, I have time, I have time to do these things. Uh, right. And so I want to get a little bit, I also want to get a little bit stronger on the bike. And while your, your coach is a professional for sure. Right. But something that you said a second ago about, um, not going out too hard. Definitely. Right. So this, this last race in Chattanooga, that's the approach I took, right. I took I, every race up to that point and not that I've done that many, but like five, I've always considered myself to be the strongest on the bike. Like that was my strength. And so I would just hammer the bike as hard as I could. And then I would suffer on the run. Right. And so leading into Chattanooga, I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm like you said, I'm not going to make the same mistakes, but what I did, and you won't do this because you're well coached and well disciplined is I went too far the other direction and I was too conservative on the bike. I had a better run, so it was definitely successful, but I gave up too much time on the bike or, or more time than I thought that I would. And so that's what I'm going to use those Olympics for is to really dial mm -hmm. in my, what, what, what is my target Watts on the bike? Right. And so I think I backed it down too much. Um, but anyway, that's not going to happen to you, uh, for sure. Cause she'll get you all, she'll get you all, uh, dialed in. But yeah. That's, that's the plan. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this. So you are working now in the, in a corporate world. Right. So you're not going to, you're not going to work in tennis shoes and coaches shorts anymore or wind pants or whatever you used to wear. Right. So you're, I don't know if you're wearing a suit and tie, but you have a, you have a, a real responsible job now. 
how are you fitting in your training to your your daily life obligations with your job and your wife? Yeah, you know that's a great question, and I, I think that's always the uh, the amazing thing to me with us everyday Ironman athletes, right? Mm-hmm. Fitting it in and having a life outside of it. But no, I mean, it's just a matter of doing the diligence and and making sure that you're committed to what you want to do for what you want to accomplish. You know, the the coach in me and something I I challenge myself with is what are you willing to give up today for what you want most? Uh, Meaning what, what sacrifices are you willing to make to reach that ultimate goal, whatever it is. And, you know, my goal for Florida is, like I said earlier, I want to put the three disciplines together very well for myself. But I also have a goal to be a good husband and a committed member of a family and things like that too. So yeah. finding that balance is key. So I mean, right now, kind of my my balance is I'll get up early and get up, you know, five o'clock before five o'clock, get that kind of longer workout of the day done. And then I typically, if I have a second workout in the day, I'm doing it a shorter one in the afternoon when I get home. Or if I have time, you know, I'll go sneak in something quick over lunch. But typically that two time a day and um, get, like I said, getting up early before anyone else is up and getting the long stuff done early. And that way I have time to commit to my wife and my friends and family and all that, because that's important. It's an important part of life. Yeah, I think you... You definitely nailed it right there. It, it's it's the balance, right? It's the it's balancing those things out. I'm also a early morning workout guy. I love I love the early morning uh, workout. I have uh, I have a haircut uh, that is uniquely designed for the lunchtime workout. <laughs> uh, coupled with the fact that LA Fitness is two minutes from my work, I can literally go to the gym, swim, probably 2,500 yards, and be back at my desk before anyone realized I was gone. That's fantastic. Right? And so, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm currently working out t- twice a day, and it's funny because uh, I think the race was like 10 days ago, and my alarm's still going off at 4 o'clock, and my wife's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I got to ride my bike. And she's like, I don't understand. I thought you were done. <laughs> I was like, but you know, it's just one of those things. Like I think you said it earlier. Like you're, you get in that rhythm and you get in that routine, and it's like your happy place. And I get, I get anxious uh, when when I'm not doing those things. And I'm not even a great athlete, right? It's just, I just, I just feel better when I'm in that when I'm in that routine. Um, hmm, interesting. So, so let me ask you this. We talked a little bit about the fact that, like most everybody, your goal is to finish, right? We 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 know that, right? We, that's 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 a thing. Things can go wrong, but what do you think your potential is? Because you said that you 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 don't feel like you've hammered all three disciplines. Like you must have an idea of if everything goes well, and I'm on a course that is suited to my strengths. This is what I could do. Yeah, definitely, Mike. I think, you know, I I would love uh, to break the 11 hour barrier. I think it's, I think it's a, a tough goal, but I think it's a realistic one based on what I've done in the different disciplines in their own regard. 
And I would love to do that. But again, like we've talked about, you know, Ironman in the course of a day, it's a long day. So you never know what's going to happen. But yeah, so it's a goal um, for sure. And I want to pursue that and we'll see what happens. You know, that's kind of the goal I have in my mind is try to get that, that sub 11 time and see if it's possible for me. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's a fantastic goal. You know, and it's one of those things that until you start doing the math on it, that's when you really realize how, how much of an accomplishment that that would be. Mm -hmm. Right. I had Troy Clifton on in the very beginning and he did a sub 10. That's absolutely amazing. I know, and I feel so bad. So, Troy, if you're still listening to the podcast, I apologize that I didn't make a bigger deal out of it at the time that you said it. But a- after doing the math, oh my god! Like, I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I haven't cracked the six hour barrier on the half Ironman yet, and I just totally glossed over the fact that he finished the full distance in uh, with a start with finish time that started nine. at nine. I know, um, and then. This is the craziest thing too, right? So we're recording this podcast June 2nd, so it'll air in the future. I think this very weekend is the sub seven hour project. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I told my wife last night, I was reading a little bit about it and I was like, this guy is trying to finish a full distance Ironman in less than seven hours. And my wife was like, okay. I said, do you realize the half Ironman, and I worked my butt off, trained t- twice a day for eight weeks, took me six hours and 11 minutes. Yep. And he's going to try to do the entire thing in less than seven hours. And she's like, wow. That's, that's like when she got it, when, you put, when I put it into that perspective, right? Because sometimes out of, out of context, you just don't realize it. But um. That, that I just I cannot wrap my head around. Did you look up? Did you look up his run splits? Yes, at St. George. Uh, I didn't look him up for St. George, um, but I saw I saw what his goal projection was. I, I saw somebody release a picture for like the projection times uh, for each discipline, and it was like two thirty to two twenty something for the marathon. And I was like, "There's there's so many people that can't run a marathon." Um, and 220 yeah. to 230, let alone at the end of all of that. So, uh, no, I, it's going to yeah. be exciting to see for sure. Yeah. In St. George, they didn't, they didn't give exact mile splits, but there were 26 of them. So it was close. He had a couple of, uh, splits where he was running sub five minute miles. And I was like, after biking 112 miles, you're out there running a sub five minute mile. That is just absolutely. I, I just can't get my head wrapped around that. Yeah, I mean that's a totally, totally another, uh, another level for sure. I hope he does it. To be honest, I hope he breaks the seven hour barrier. I, I'm rooting him for him too. It's 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 uh, I, I enjoy watching those feats. Uh, we, you know, when Iliad Kipchoge finally did that sub two uh, marathon, you know, I know a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, it's on this course and he was wearing these shoes and he had stuff. I was like, but, but still to do something like that, even in a controlled environment is it's absolutely amazing to see the, the limits of the human body kind of be rewritten. 
yeah, I heard the same thing. Someone was like, well, they had a pace or I'm like, I don't care. Still under his own human power, whatever was able to accomplish that, that's 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 recognizable. And you know, if we go back to last year where they had that thing in Germany with Jan and, and Lionel, right? And they had the, you know, it was tailor made to them. They had the cable siding system. They had the bike course that had that banked half oval thing where they didn't have to slow down for the turns and all that stuff. I haven't seen. I know that Kadex made him a special bike. Okay. Uh, and he's got that and he's got that super suit that nobody can figure out how that thing works, <laughs> but I don't know that there's anything special about the course itself because I think there's four of them that are going to attempt it. There's two male, two female, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely rooting for him. I think that'd be, uh, that's gonna be amazing. Absolutely, I am not in that, I am not in that category. <laughs> Me uh, either. <laughs> so, so let's let's talk about your sub, your sub eleven. So, in order to hit sub eleven, uh, wh- what would you have to swim? What would you have to bike? And what would you have to run? Oh man, it's been it's been a while since I did the math. Uh, I, I did the math leading up to quarter lane, but it didn't happen. Obviously. You know, so quarter lane, I was a little bit over an hour for the swim. Okay. And then I was o- almost six, so about 550, some something like that. I, so I was a little under 20 miles an hour on the bike. Okay. Um, and then I think I think that means I need to do four hours something in change on, on the marathon to do that. So okay. maybe a little bit faster than that. Yeah, I haven't, haven't broke down those splits here in a while. So okay. I, I need to probably refresh myself on that. <laughs> so if you were to go, if you were to go out and run a marathon, uh, standalone, mm-hmm. which I'm, have you done that before? So funny thing, Mike, being a runner and cross country coach, I have actually never done a solo marathon. The only time I've done it is inside, uh, two Ironman races. Oh, wow. Really? That I would have not have guessed that. That's funny. Yeah, I was under the delusion earlier this year that I could run a sub four hour marathon, and I still think I can. Uh, it didn't happen for me this year, but I if I can get if I can shake this tendonitis in my ankle, I'm going to sign up for the Houston Marathon in January, and I'm going to give it another. Uh, I'm going to give it another try. Uh, I have I have shaved an hour off of my standalone marathon time from the first marathon to the second marathon. So I'm definitely making forward progress. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, but, uh, yeah, w- w- man, it's, it, you know how it, it's all about your approach. We, I was so arrogant. I was dealing with a hip injury and I was running really well prior to the hip injury. I actually ran a, two half marathons, which I know are not exactly the same, but I ran a, a, a one forty five half marathon and then a one forty eight half marathon. So I thought, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the ballpark, right? To run a to run a sub four hour marathon, you only have to run a nine eleven pace or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. I say only, but I was running eight oh two or something. And so I, I come off this hip injury. We go to the marathon. I go with my buddy, and we start with the 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 three fifty five group. And so we hung with them for like ten miles, and then it just fell apart uh, after that, and it was just. Oh, it was so painful. So I think the first the first half of the marathon, we ran it in right at two hours. The second half of the marathon, it was right at three hours. Okay, because uh, we came we came in at four. I think four fifty five. But I still think I could do a sub four. So what yeah. do you think you could do? 
You know, I I would love to see if I could break a three hour barrier in a in a open. Ooh. So I think I could do it, but I've never never given it a shot. So there's no uh, rationale to tell whether I could or not. <laughs> yeah, you should definitely give that a try. That'd be that'd be interesting to see. Okay. Well, so we haven't talked about uh, we haven't talked about what kind of bike you have. What yeah, kind of you have? I have a specialized shiv and upgraded. Oh. Uh, bought it just kind of. I think it was back in like 2016. Uh, so I had the 2016 okay. Shiv model uh-huh. and yeah, upgraded the wheels. So I have a Roval uh, Rapide wheel set on it and uh-huh. yeah, it's been great. Love it. So you bought a brand new bike. I did. Yep. Oh, I don't even know what that's like. I've, 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 uh, I'm a used bike guy. I'm a used everything guy. I think I draw the line at used tri shorts. Uh, every, <laughs> everything else, everything else, I'll buy. Uh, I'll buy used. And so it's funny because I got a I got a used bike recently, and so I'm going to sell my original used bike. But I've got a I had an extra saddle for it, so I'm going to advertise it as saddle never been peed on <laughs> because then it's because then it's not it's not deceptive in any way. But um, yeah. So, so your, your specialized shiv, is it, uh, is it aluminum carbon? It's a, uh, yeah. Full carbon frame. Full carbon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I absolutely love it. It's my first bike that I actually got and rode on. So I bought a specialized Ale right after college to kind of get me started with some cycling. And, okay. uh, I love it, but it, you know, it, I think it had a mixed metal frame and when you switch to carbon, it, the, the change is unbelievable. Just how much lighter and how much faster you can go. So I, I absolutely, absolutely love my shiv. Yeah, for sure. The, my, my, my new speed concept weighs four pounds less than my original speed concept. Wow. That coupled with the fact that it's got a 54 tooth big ring versus my 30 tooth. Uh, that's, I, <laughs> so that's why I think I outsmarted myself in Chattanooga because I was, the, the bike deserved to be ridden faster than I rode it. Uh, and I've got these cool flow. This is a true story. So I've got uh flow race wheels and I flew so I could only take one set of wheels with me. So I had my 60 millimeter front wheel and my disc wheel. As people were passing me, I got several nice bike and I was like, cool. And I was like, oh my God, they're like flying by me. I should be going faster than this, but I'm saving myself for the run. I'm saving myself for the run. Yeah, that was a, that was a, I don't know about that. Well, man, you've been so much fun hanging out with, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to tracking you in, in Florida on a race day. When is that? That's like November, isn't it? November 4th is race day. So yeah, counting down the days. That's like five months from now. Yeah, we're getting there. Oh man, you got, it'll, it'll be here before we know it. It will. Sure. It truly will. It'll be here. It'll be here before we know it. Well, cool. Well, man, uh, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you hanging out. I appreciate you putting up with my questions, uh, providing some insight, uh, sharing your experiences, are there any last thoughts that you want to uh, round us out with tonight? Yeah, you know, um, after listening to the podcast, number of episodes as I've been training Mike, I, I, I always love hearing those last thoughts from people. And what I can provide, I think, is it's okay to realize that this is hard. And I think sometimes we 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 look on 
Instagram and social media and we hear all these great stories and we hear how magical it is. And I, I think sometimes we need to remember that it's okay for this to be hard. It's okay for this to be difficult. And it's okay because that means that you're pushing yourself. And sometimes we need to do that a little bit. So for everyone listening out there that's, you know, going through that hard spot in training, keep keep on pushing because, you know, that that exciting thing, that goal that you're looking for is just right around the corner. Yeah, that is um that is so true. And I think I think sometimes I've found myself guilty of the opposite of that. And and what I say by that is my entire life I have I have really tried to live by the power of positive thinking, right? And so any anytime somebody asks me how I'm doing fantastic, right? But I saw something the other day where somebody posted, and I think it was um I think it was Lizette Maris said, It's okay to acknowledge that you're not okay, right? That's a that's that's a thing, right? And it, and I think when we look at Instagram and we look at Facebook, it's always these curated pictures of have somebody having their very best experience. And that's not exactly they went through some tr- some trials and some tribulations and some hard times to get there too. So I think that that where, where I'm applying that is is don't don't beat yourself up because you're not having that top of the top of the mountain experience, right? Absolutely. Um, you can get you can get there for sure, but don't think that that's how everybody's living you, their life and you're not. And so you know whatever, right? Absolutely. Hopefully I didn't, hopefully I didn't mess that up too bad, but no, um, perfect. That's that's kind of what I'm where I'm, where I'm at today. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to do a better job of when somebody says, how are you doing today? I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to beat people down like, oh man, I'm struggling today because nobody wants to hear that necessarily, but maybe, maybe kind of dial it down a little bit and just like, Hey, I'm having a great day. I want to be positive. I want to be positive, but I don't want to be discouragingly positive too, because that's what I've, that's what I've found (laughs) is that sometimes I can be discouragingly positive, right? Well, cool. Well, man, I, uh, I had fun. I had fun. Uh, and I know that the listeners are going to enjoy, um, hearing your story and I'm definitely going to be tracking you on, uh, race day, but let's stay in touch. I'd like to hear how, uh, I'd like to hear how, uh, things are going. I really like to hear how, how your marathon goes when you sign up for that marathon, (laughs) to be honest with you. Absolutely. (laughs) I want to know how that goes. Well, cool. Well, I appreciate it, sir. You have a uh, you have a good rest of your day. You too, Mike. Again, thank you so much. It's been a real honor to be on this, and uh, thank you for the support. And it's always nice knowing that you have someone someone watching you and uh, sending you positive vibes on race day. So, thank you. Absolutely, I'll send I'll send tons of positivity your way. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you have any questions, advice that you would like to share or would like to be a guest on the show and share your story, you can email everydayironmanpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow on Instagram at everydayironmanpodcast. Until next time, keep moving forward.